Hi there, this is Alvin, and welcome to the Kickstart Commerce Podcast, where we share search marketing and domain investing strategies to help grow your business. In today's episode, our guest is Stuart Maloff, a longtime educator and 20-plus-year domain veteran. Today, Stu and I discuss how starting a kid's basketball camp led to Stu selling a geoservice domain and discovering the colossal world of domaining. Stu also shares how he identifies and assesses undervalued three to four character alphanumeric domains. He then also talks about how traveling around the globe to 30 plus countries has shaped his domain pricing and investing strategy. Stu also shares his thoughts about Clubhouse and predictions in regards to what's next on the horizon for the domain industry. And last but not least, Stu reveals his domain portfolio's top 10 domain names. And so with that, Stu, welcome and thank you for making time to join us today. Thanks, Alvin. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you on, man. We've, uh, shoot, man, we've been exchanging uh pleasantries and and whatnot f- through conferences and i believe we we actually got to meet in person in austin right i think yeah 2020 i mean 2020 seems like yeah, five we did years. yeah it was <laughs> end of january 2020 we met in the lobby there of the domain conference um and it, it was a great experience yeah definitely man hopefully hopefully 2022 we can actually get to meet back in person again that's crazy that it'll be have been two years but grateful for the uh virtual conference that that namescon has put on yeah that's they've had two of them now and that's getting us through that time where we can't get together but at least we're doing a lot of things virtually yeah certainly certainly and this is one of my favorite in terms of podcasts so to kick things off Stu, at a high level let's share with the listeners just a bit about yourself who you are your personal your professional background well first of all i'm a teacher which is kind of unusual for a domain investor (laughs) i've been teaching since i've been out of college it's been 28 years now and i teach third grade gifted students however this particular year um when it came around veterans day time um, they, I was teaching virtually, um, and they asked all the teachers to come in. But with having asthma, I'm kind of high risk, and it's difficult uh, for me to breathe in a mask for a long time. So I actually you know, took a leave of absence, and I'm focusing on domain name investing this year, and hopefully can go back to teaching in the fall. You know, On top of teaching, um, I've been domain investing for more than 20 years now. Wow. Here it is. You're juggling teaching and, and, and domain investing. And first off, man, thank you. Like from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being an educator, man. Like I think a lot of parents really, really found out what it means and and how grateful we all are for teachers like yourself. Obviously with COVID school, you know, schools were shut down. Kids were doing virtual schooling. And I believe a lot of parents figured out real quick how grateful they are for teachers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we last year, we didn't have a lot of time to prepare. All of a sudden, we were sent home and they said, you'll be teaching virtually from now on. So we had had a lot of experience with the virtual teaching. So it was kind of an e- easier an adjustment for my school. But we had to do it quickly. And luckily, that went pretty smoothly. Yeah. And before we jump into the meeting, like now in terms of teaching, do you like do you miss the students? Because you're obviously you mentioned before you said that you'd have asthma. So that was stopping you or basically keeping you from being in the classroom with the students. And so, like, do you miss the students? Like kind of how has this whole COVID thing been adjusting as a teacher? 
you know, it was really difficult for me. I knew I, I thought I was going to have the opportunity to continue to teach online and the district said, you know, you've got to come in or take an FMLA leave. So the last day when I had to tell my students, this was it, you know, we're kind of just a little more than just past the first quarter of the school year. Mm. You know, a lot of the kids were crying and sad and, oh man! but I encouraged them. I knew, I knew who was taking my place. It was a student teacher that, you know, was great with the kids and I had experience you know, listening to her talking about what's going on in the cl- classroom that she was student teaching in. So I knew it would be a great fit and the kids would be fine. So they probably forgot about me by now, but uh, oh, you know, that was that. a great experience. You know, I do <laughs> you know, teaching. It's a little bit different because I'm on the social media, Facebook and several other platforms, but sometimes I get a friend request or a message from students that I've taught 15, 20 years ago, even more, even 25 years ago. And wow. they're telling me what I, kind of difference I made in their life. So, you know, that's what keeps me excited about teaching year in and year out that you make a difference in the kids' lives. That is awesome. Now, how long do you plan on doing this? I mean, 28 years, I mean, that's quite a time. Well, I kind of messed up my retirement a couple times. Um, (laughs) First, I was teaching in Syracuse, New York, and my parents had retired to Florida. You know, I would come down and visit them and then fly back to these blizzards in Syracuse. And eventually, I just said, I'm relocating. Um, (laughs) And, you know, so I kind of, I had to start fresh in Florida. They gave me my year's experience, but retirement-wise, I started at the beginning. And then, you know, a few years, I got back in 2015, but from 2013 to 2015, I took another leave of absence from uh, teaching at that point, and I taught at the American School in Athens, Greece. So I, wow. you know, it was, it was an incredible opportunity to to teach in Greece and work at a private school in a different culture and do a lot of traveling but I lost two more years of my retirement. So I'll probably, unless these domains start doing better than ever, um, I'll probably be teaching for a while. That's a neat story. Now, obviously not neat that you lost the retirement years, but the the fact no, that, you know, you, you got to actually it. teach it abroad and, and and live abroad. I mean, that that's awesome. It, it was a great experience. Absolutely. So then let's talk a little bit about domain. So 21 years. So that means, I mean, that's like late 90s, 98, 99 timeframe. Well, I actually, I started right in the year 2000. And, um, I remember it was like May of 2000. So, you know, just a little bit, a little over 20 years, I guess. Yeah. Um, now that we're, yeah, I guess I lose, I'm losing count. But, but uh, anyhow. Hey, 2020 remember, did that to us all. <laughs> <laughs> I remember... I you know, sitting on the couch watching TV and I saw a commercial for register.com. I didn't even know what GoDaddy was then, but I, I actually had a domain name. Well, I didn't have a domain name, but I had a website, dreamscape.com. That wasn't my company, but they put together my website slash funball. I used to run a summer basketball camp originally just outside of Syracuse, New York, and it started as a day camp. I got like 75 kids the first year and it grew a little bit every year. And I moved it to a local college. It was called Morrisville College, less than an hour outside of Syracuse. We had kids from the community, but kids, they weren't coming from very far. In 2000, I see this commercial for register.com and I tried to go on there immediately. And um, I start ra- registering names because I knew what they were, but I didn't know how to get one until I saw that commercial. I didn't really think about it that much. So that night I tried to get basketballcamp.com. It was taken, basketballcamp.net was taken. But I took a different angle. I remember I got ebasketballcamps.com and ebasketballcamp.com for the camp. And then I started getting a bunch of city names with basketball, thinking that Uh, I have an overnight camp. Kids can come from anywhere in the world. 
So I know I got NewYorkBasketball.com, then ChicagoBasketball.com, MiamiBasketball.com. Wow. Pretty much 30, 40, something like that names related to basketball. I remember they cost $35 at that time. So, <laughs> so anyhow, that was it at first. I, and I didn't really realize that they had resale value at the time, but I did know that people would be typing them in and maybe they, if they like basketball in that area, they may have kids that want to go to the camp. That was my thought process. And it actually, hmm. it kind of worked because kids started coming you know, once I got the name switched over to ebasketballcamps.com and these other names were redirecting to it, they started coming in from all over. I remember I had this site called basketballadvertising.com and I took, there's a guy in, I think he was in North Dakota. <laughs> um, and he, he took my names and he was a web developer back in the day and he created this platform. He was really good before Google changed their algorithm. Um, my names would come up first when they Googled New York basketball or when they other than maybe the next, it would come in right after that. And he did that for all my names and he had it on this platform so they can just advertise on the page and pay money for it. But on top of that, it would have a link to my camp. So I started getting kids from all over. I remember groups would come in from different states and we had a really, we had a group of like 15 or 20 kids come in from Europe. I remember a guy from France organized this group and they would travel to different basketball camps and they came to my camp a couple of different years. So it all started with for domaining with me with the basketball names. Interesting. So then I guess now in terms of trying to help the listeners understand, so you said, so it was e-basketball camp, e-basketball camps. So you had the singular and the plural. Now with all these different names that you had registered, did you build out different sites for each one or a page for each one? Or was it just one that you built on and then redirected everything else to it? Well, for the camp to start with, it was ebasketballcamps.com. And I think I had ebasketball camp redirecting just okay. in case there was a typo. But I had more than one camp. They had multiple sessions and I wanted to give my chance, give myself an opportunity to expand to different areas. So it started with that. And then the other names um, were kind of, they kind of went on this, they had landers and they were all kind of relocated. They all kind of came to basketballadvertising.com. Hmm. But because they have their own lander, when you Google these, this is because of people like me, I think that Google changed their algorithm. <laughs> Thanks, know, so, Joe. Thanks. <laughs> sorry, sorry, it's all my fault. But um, literally, though, my site got a ton of traffic. I wasn't measuring how much it was then, but kids came from all over the, not only the United States, but by the time the camp was done, by the time I, it's still going on, actually, but I sold the camp and it's now just a day camp again. Awesome. But, um, it's at one point, we had over kids from over 30 states and 20 countries. Wow, so just, man, that's awesome. And this was, thank you so much. This was, we, you know, and I sold the camp, I believe it was 2009. So okay, this all happened a long time ago. So then, with, now when you sold the camps, I'm assuming that you sold the domain portfolio with it in tow. Not really, no. I just, I kind of kept the portfolio. At that point, I also had fundamentalbasketballcamp.com, which was the name of the camp. And um, I thought, yeah, I had a lot of redirects. So since that was the name of the camp and it was kind of becoming more of a day camp, they just kind of, they decided to go with the fundamental basketball camp because it was the name of the camp itself. And it also, so that's what it is now. If you go to fundamentalbasketballcamp.com, the camp's still going on, but it's just a day camp now, which is great for the kids in the community, but it's not getting kids from all over the world anymore. So then after now, after you sold now, I guess, what did you kind of move to? Because this time you're still teaching. But then I guess, how did that open the door into becoming a domain investor? Well, going back to when I first started registering the names, 
it must have been about 2001, shortly at less than a year or so after I registered those names, I get a phone call, uh, not an email, but a phone call from someone from Sacramento, and he wanted sacramentobasketball.com. Mm. And I told them that, you know, the names aren't really, for, they're not for sale. I told them I have campers that come from all over the country and they could be coming from Sacramento. He said, well, will you take $3,000? You know, I thought he was going to offer me 50 bucks or something. I wasn't expecting anything like that. And I said, oh, I said, you know, you can have the name, um, you know, good luck with it. So it was it was a kind of a tedious procedure transfer because I had never done that before. But at that point, that was like a turning point for me because I, re I started getting other names that were not basketball. I thought to myself, if someone would pay $3,000 for sacramentobasketball.com, what would they pay if I had sacramentorealestate.com or sacramentolawyers.com? So I probably pulled in a couple all-nighters and was registering. Mostly, I started with mostly geo job kind of names after the basketball ones. Um, I knew that I was thinking about relocating to Florida. I know I got bocalawyers.com and bocalawyer.com, you know, th things like that. So then you, you know, just went on a, on a spree then. I sure did. I so sure wait, did. so let's go back though, man, because, and I'm laughing because <laughs> you got a phone call about sacramentobasketball.com. You're like, hey man, it's not for sale. He's like $3,000. It's for sale. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what happened in between this time that it wasn't for sale until, hey, let's, let's go ahead and let's make a deal. Like what, just what, what was your thought process? You know, kind of like what I was saying, I just, and in my mind, I was not thinking of them as I thought they'd be assets for me just trying to get more campers. That's all I was really using it for. Uh, I wasn't thinking of selling the names, but I, that immediately it changed once that name sold. When I wasn't even trying to sell it, I'm thinking to myself, you know, this could be something really good. And then luckily, I was paying $35 a name. Luckily, I found GoDaddy and transferred them all over for it was like $6 then, I think, for dot com. Mm -hmm. It may have even been less. It was. It, I transferred them all at once. Um, that was like that was a tedious procedure as well. But um, once I did that, I you know I've kind of been the GoDaddy since then. That's Interesting. My name so then you start registering these names. Now again, you're teaching throughout this time. So obviously you got the daytime job there. You're teaching, but you start registering names. Now I guess at that point, did you realize that there was an industry that was being birthed at the time? Did you know anything about the domain industry? I, you know, I did. I started googling things, and first thing I found was Ron Jackson's dnjournal.com. And I would follow it, you know, to a T. And I started, you know, so I was looking at the sales and I noticed back then a lot of brandables. I started getting in, into brandables a little bit later. Um, I was running the South Florida Domainers Group. We, I started with a guy named Mike Ward. He was another local uh, domain name investor. And we started this meetup and people like Michael Birkins and Rick Schwartz, John Ferber from Domain Holdings. Uh, Monty Khan, all, all these well-known domainers would come to these meetings. Um, you know, some of them would sponsor it. And we did this for a long time. And I remember Michael Birkins, I sent him my portfolio early on when I first started doing it. And I asked him, well, what do you think? And, um, <laughs> and Michael said, he goes, well, to be honest, you have some names that I would love to have in my portfolio. And you have some other ones that I would never even, you know, think about registering. Um, because I can't go through them all to tell you, but I think you're going to figure it out over time. 
So, and he also gave me the advice. He goes, you know, you have mostly, you know, geo job names, which are great, but you got to expand. There's so much, you can register anything. You can, you know, there's so many things out there. Right. And that's when I started looking at Ron Jackson's report and seeing what was selling. And I tried to get different names. I noticed a lot of the names selling were brandables ending in world and land. And I tried to get other ones like that. And when they were gone, I just, I get names like Ville. I have like learningville.com, things like that. So then, so you start the, the South Florida domainers group. So like, yes. is that, is it still active or is it kind of, well, we what happened was when I went to Greece in 2013, the group kind of folded, Mike didn't keep, he had some personal things going on then. So he didn't keep it going. And when I came back, it was someone else started another group briefly, but that folded. I actually transferred the name over to Eddie Sixto. He's another local yeah. domainer. A lot, everyone knows Eddie, great guy. What's and up, Eddie? Was, <laughs> I know you're listening. I know you're listening, Eddie. What's up, man? Uh -huh. so, See, you thought we weren't going to give you a, a hat tip, brother. You got a hat tip. Now, <laughs> hey, pay attention. Keep driving. Don't run into anybody, Eddie. All right. <laughs> so I'm going to let you continue going. All right. Yeah, he, he's struggling a lot, but he would like to get that started again at some point. You know, he actually, I think I gave him FloridaDomainers.com too. So he could. Nice. You know, and, and we're starting to get people. I know people are moving to Jacksonville. We have domainers in Orlando. There's Tampa. So right. maybe Eddie, I'm, you know, I'm juggling a lot. So, and he has too, but I, he wanted the name. So I think it's something he may do in the near future. Right. And I think too, you know, to add to it, I mean, with, with 2020 and everybody kind of just, you know, moving online, like even though, you know, most of these local groups are, you know, you're, you're going to want to meet up at some point, but even just starting it out online, kind of like how we do the uh, domain social, um, yes, it, yes. it's almost kind of one of those things of, yeah, while everybody may not be able to get to the social, they may be able to, they may feel more comfortable actually meeting up with people that they know that they are, that are local, that when the time is right, then they could actually meet in person. You know, we've done that for years and we took a hiatus from that, but I think we're going to start up again. Absolutely. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, certainly let, uh, let, let me know. And like I said, I'll try to plug it where, where and when that I can. Now, one question I have, man, and I'm just sitting here looking at this email that, that we had, we had a couple of exchanges and the thing that sticks out to me is Stu at maloff.com. How oh, in the God. world did you get your name? Like, when did you register that? I didn't register it. I bought it from, you know, someone who was trying to resell it. I inquired about that name years ago um, when I first started domaining. You know, once I started selling names and seeing what they were worth, um, I inquired and they said something like $100,000. I'm like, oh, I'm not the right buyer. And then, you know, Ooh. and that was a kind of bet. And then well, they, re they really like that domain. <laughs> so I don't know if it changed hands and the, you know, the person dropped it or it was the same person and they realized they're not going to sell it that e easily. They came back to me. It was, I mean, it was with uh, domain name sales, Uniregistry mm. later. Yeah, I kind of went, they went through there because that, that was where the lander was at one point. And they came back to me. They said, how about 10,000? And then I'm thinking, wow, now they're getting to something where it's a little bit closer, but I still right. didn't want to pay that much. So I'm like, you know, no, I can only go 2,000. And eventually it came down. I don't have the exact price, but it's like probably $3,000, something like that for the same price as I sold the Sacramento basketball.com. I think I bought my last name.com. That's a pretty good exchange as far as I'm concerned. That so, meant that is an 
awesome exchange because i tell you what if i could ever get brown.com i hey <laughs> consider it over like I, I don't care if i don't ever buy another domain after that it's like if i get that i'm good i am good but no congrats man congrats yeah, thank you and that was that was a 1996 registration just like january of 96 i believe so wow. that i had no shot at that at all unless i got into the right hands to get it to me so yeah wow. i feel very fortunate well man that is it like I said, that, that is one of the things that I was just looking at. I was like, man, I, I've got to ask him how he stumbled upon uh, purchasing, you know, his his surname there. So uh, so then now tell me this. Now, going back to that SacramentoBasketball.com, that was your first domain sale. Now, then I guess how long was it before you had the next sale? You know, because most people that get into domaining, especially if you're new, you know, it's almost like the the uh, the old adage that a clock is at least right twice, you know, twice a day, two times a day. And so it's not it's no rhyme, no reason, no strategy. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, I was able to produce two domain sales. But the reality is you want to get to a level that you're consistent. And so going back to SacramentoBasketball.com, having sold that at three thousand dollars, like how long did it take to get to your next domain sale? You know, once I figured out how to park the page, I think I was using Sato back then and then later Uniregistry. Once I figured out how to get it up in the eyes of people without them just having to look me up, um, I was selling them pretty regularly. But, you know, it wasn't and then I was never a full time domainer until mm. this particular year. I was I was domaining after school hours on the weekends, vacations. I've had if you look at my portfolio, a lot of the <laughs> registrations happen in summer when teachers have two months off. So I never really had a continuity with the, I used to use snap names a lot. And I think some people like, who is this guy that shows up periodically, you know, looking for these <laughs> names because they'd have no competition from me. And then I'd be there and little do they know they're dealing with a teacher working at part-time hours. <laughs> so you start basically getting acclimated to all of the different platforms, aftermarket platforms and whatnot. So it sounds like from your story, you started out hand registering really before you started with expired auctions. Is that is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I just I was hand registering names, and then I heard about Snap Names before. T you know, I use TDNOM now right. a lot more than Snap Names, but yeah, I was using Snap Names quite a bit. Got a, quite a few names with that. Then I realized GoDaddy had one. But Snap Names, I loved it. I was getting good names, but my names are landing up in like a hundred different registrars, and sometimes I forget I even had them there. There's to be one name in this registrar I never heard of, and then trying to get it out of there was always difficult. You had to wait the sixty days and. And that time you could forget. Yep. And then on top of that, you know, it just it took a long time. Um, so I, TD Nam was always easier for me, mm. just because it just goes right into my account. But um, I still use those when I see a name that I really want. And so, like, how, like, what? So, what's your strategy in terms of like, how do you? invest in domains you know so for some people they're yeah, they're connoisseurs of one word you know for some folks it's hey i'm interested in numerics for others it's alphanumerics for others it's brandables like where do you find yourself i know you mentioned geo service domain so like where do you where and how did you establish your domain investing strategy you know i've kind of had several different niches that i look at one was the geo job i stopped getting a lot of those i'm not looking for that as much a lot of brandable names things like learningville.com names ending with ology some areas i recently launched restaurantbrands.com i was really fortunate to get that name i had a lot of restaurant names and then i see this restaurantbrands.name up for auction and 
wasn't even targeting. I just kind of saw it that day. And I'm like, wow, this would be a great name if I ever want to develop it. And sure enough, I got it very reasonably. Today, that name would go for thousands in an auction, I'm sure. But I got it in the hundreds uh, very reasonably um, just a few years ago, I think. I'm so, done, man. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with this interview right there. I mean, you 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 could not find a domain like that today. And even if you did, even if you put a, if it was an expired auction, especially, you throw a bid at that thing and that's every bit of four figures, every bit of it today. Oh yeah, de- definitely. Probably at least mid four figures, I would think. But yeah, yeah right. the site gets a lot of type and traffic too. So with Squad Help, I started a white label marketplace there, which, you know, basically, so I, so I put all my restaurant names in there and even names that could pass as a restaurant because they got a good commission. So I put <laughs> names in there that could be a restaurant or definite restaurant names. And I sold a, you know, sold a couple already. Um, and one of them was just recently hand wrecked. So, but I, I don't think it's going to do too much till after the pandemic. So then in terms of like your sales, like how have you, because for a lot of people, I think it, it is hard, especially when you're starting out to gain consistency in sales. And so having done this for 21 years, are your sales stable or is it a, you know, is it a feast famine type situation? And, you know, one year you're feasting, the next year it's famine. Like how have you tried to steady the waters, if you will, in terms of, you know, steadying the sales for domains? You know, it was pretty steady for a while, but it's been getting better. Last year was the best year I had, I think, but I kind of reinvested, you know, most of the profits into the mm-hmm. business and got more names. So my portfolio grew by quite a bit, like a thousand more names. Whoa. How many, yeah. well, how many do you have? Right around, I'm getting around 4,000 uh, names. And I, I had, it was under 3,000 last year at this time, I think. So the pandemic, of course, you know, I was home a lot more. So I had a little bit more, you know, flexible hours, particularly, you know, in the last few months. So yeah, I just I kind of reinvested my profits back into the business. But now, now that I have more names, I'm getting more frequent sales. I can still uh, go. I can, as Mark, Mark Levine mentioned the other day that you have these droughts and then all of a sudden you have big sales. And I feel the same way, you know, some, I can go a few weeks without a sale. And then I can have a week where I have three or four sales in one week. So I just, I never know what the week's going to bring. I think you hit on something there. Like, did you realize, so you've, you've grown your, your portfolio over time upwards to 4,000, a little over 4,000 names now, but were there moments in there that, that there were tipping points? Like for instance, if you said, oh, once I got to 750 domains, I I then noticed that I started getting more inquiries or was it a thousand, 1500, 2000? Like, did you notice things like that along the way that, oh, I started getting more traffic, more inquiries or more sales started happening as I actually blossomed, if you will, your portfolio? Yeah, I think, you know, just talking to people at NamesCon, they're just saying when you you hit a little threshold that's around, you know, 3,000 and higher, when you get to that point, if they're quality names, you're going to get a little bit more consistency. And obviously, the more names you have, the more consistent it is. But you got to be careful because if the names you're getting are not the quality that sell, Mm-hmm. then your sell-through rate may not even cover the renewal. So Right. And so has that, have you had challenges there over the last 20 some odd years in terms of being able to cover your renewals or and how have you, I guess, decreased that risk? You know, the first few years when I was paying $35 a year and just had the basketball <laughs> names, I wasn't trying to sell them. Um, I was just using it for advertising. You know, that was, there was no way that I was going to get back my money. But 
yeah, now I, I, do, I have been, you know, knock on wood that it continues, but I've been having enough sales to more than cover, you know, the registrations. It just, you know, at some point, I've got to make the decision when I just want to take you know the money off the table and right. just try to start collecting. So that's interesting. So it's really somewhere around. And like I said, I think this is all relative because it's all depending upon the types of names that one invests in. But like you said, it is a numbers game. And I have roughly over 2,200 names. And I've noticed the, the more names that I get and the better quality of names that I get, then obviously I see more traffic. I see more inquiries, but I also realize, uh, like you said, more consistent sales. And so it's interesting that you got that tidbit from attending a NamesCon conference. Now, have you always attended conferences? I started attending conferences. Actually, the the first conference that I had ever gone to, um, I went to a local one, you know, in Fort Lauderdale several years ago briefly, but... Um, was it for domainers or was it for just digital marketing or... No, it was a domainers conference. Oh, nice. um, I went to that one. It wasn't traffic. It was another one that was there. I can't, I can't remember the name of it now, but uh, <laughs> the company came and went, but it, it was a good, it was a really good conference. And then I think it may have been the same conference that was later in California. Either way, I went to that conference and it was very interesting um, in the mid 2000s. And then I really didn't go to any other conferences until... I was in Greece and I went to domaining Europe. That was a great opportunity. There were only, you know, a few Americans there. I remember Braden Pollock was there, Morgan Linton and Constantino Zornos, who's Greek, but I used to hang out with him and I was uh, teaching at ACS Athens. He went, so I knew some people there, but it was mostly Europeans. Then other than Namescon, since I've been back from Greece, I've been part of it every year. Since 2015, I also had the opportunity to go to a conference in China in a place called Shaman. Um, this was, I believe, the summer of 2017. Nice. Now, how how are the conferences that are abroad, how are they different from those like a, a NamesCon that's held here in the States? Well, they're speaking in different languages. <laughs> There's, there was, <laughs> you know, that, that's the biggest difference I can see. Um, but they always had an English translation. So whether I was in Europe or whether I was in you know China, I was able to hear it in English. So other you know the Chinese one was was your domaining Europe was very similar other than the language, but in China they're dealing mostly with numerics and pinyin names. And for me, I didn't mention it before, but I have a lot of names, alphanumeric names that are of interest to China. That's actually one of the biggest niches I have. I forgot to mention. All right. So like, why get into like, to me, that doesn't make it nothing registers. So I'm like, okay, Stu, you have to make it make sense to me at why and how you got involved in something kind of like the alphanumerics. You know, I just did a lot of reading on it, you know, just from online. Uh, Giuseppe Graziano used to write about that stuff. He still does. I'd read his blog. I'd go on a Chinese website. Sometimes I would copy and paste it and put it into Google Translate into English and just try to learn as much as I can uh. about what they're they're doing. And I learned kind of what each number means and the numbers to avoid and the numbers to to covet. With the alphanumerics, I saw an opportunity there because today I just saw a name go for over twenty thousand. I think it was Q99.com. A three, you know, three-digit number just went yesterday for over twenty thousand. You know, a reseller platform, TDNOM. So th those names have a lot of value. So one more, so three-digit. I'm thinking four digits. I think they have a lot of possibility if it's the numbers and the letters are placed right and it's the gotcha. right numbers and letters. So this just isn't any alphanumeric. 
value that we're or, or characters that we're talking about because we're not you know we're not getting out there like x7 you know vlty <laughs> you know it's nothing like that you're actually i mean and i think you just said it in terms of it's like three character four character you get outside of four character eh, probably not so valuable i would assume with an alphanumeric yeah unless it's if it was like an li and then 888.com you know, but since it has a Chinese last name with the three numbers. Right. And, you know, I mentioned that because I actually have li88.com, which is a name, you know, because I, I think it's got a lot of potential because it's got one of the top Chinese last names. It's either first or second most popular with the luckiest number. So that kind of, I'm kind of waiting for the right end user to come and get that one. Gotcha. So then the further really you get away from ground zero we'll say the dot the dot is uh ground zero so the further out to the left that you get away really the less the value possibly or the, rather the the further left you go of the dot then it's really the combinations are probably decreasing drastically decreasing in terms of what's valuable and what's not Yes, I would agree with that absolutely I'm looking at numbers if there's three numbers and a letter, and those numbers don't include four or zero, and the letter doesn't include the vowels or V. Um, there's only 10,240 of those. Um, mm -hmm. And then when you include the ones that have an eight or doubles, it's even less. So I'm getting names that there's not a really big supply. It's a mm -hmm. lot less than five number names or much less than those chips that we're selling. Those are the consonants without V. Since there's only 10,240 of the numbers with a letter or a letter and then three numbers without four or zero, I think that the supply is not there. So if the demand ever goes up, those could become liquid as well. That's my thinking behind it. I've, I have sold a bunch of those over the year. They're not consistent, but I sell enough to maintain most of those names. So I'm hoping that as the internet grows even more and more in China that it already has, that those names will be taken. Interesting. So, you know, you've kind of hedged the bet because in, in, in terms of most domainers, let's say most domainers really, you know, are kind of a, not necessarily a one track, but if I were to use dimensions, if you will, most of, most domainers are probably going to be either one or two dimensions. There's going to be one or two things that they know about in terms of, especially if you're of, of the Western mindset, you're typically going to, if you can't afford the one word dot coms, then you're going to be two, sometimes three word dot coms and maybe brandables. What's interesting about your portfolio is, and just your breadth of experience here is that I get the feeling that you're investing looking through a global lens. Would that be correct? That probably would be considering I've been all over the world <laughs> pretty much. You know, living in Europe for those two years, I was at I was able to go to most of the most of the popular you know popular tourist attractions in Europe. So I've actually been to more than thirty different countries, um, mostly in Europe, but also in Asia and South America. You know, it's just interesting when I went to China, not just in the conference, but just walking around the streets. I can give another tidbit of advice besides eight 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 and eight eight being a lucky number in China. One six eight is probably the next luckiest number. I think it means I will be wealthy forever or something like that. Who knew? I would see, I'd see the lucky number, like the Cat 168 Cafe, or you could just see right. the number 168 all over China. N88 and the double and triple eights, but that's another one. I try to find names that have 168 in it sometimes. 
So that's interesting then that because of you, you've traveled to all these different places, but it's actually being on the ground and, and actually seeing domains. So you're not necessarily, I look at, it, I go oftentimes investing in domain names is pure speculation, just to say the least. But to a certain extent, we start taking risk or, or removing the risk of the investment when we start educating ourselves, kind of like you're saying, reading up on forums, translating what's being said, actually visiting uh, there in that specific region and being able to see what types of domain names are used. Because like you dropping that tidbit there about the 168, like I I couldn't have told you that. I couldn't even told you what the 168 meant. You know, I'm like, man, the only thing I can tell you is 411. And that's like... <laughs> what's what's the info you know and so bringing the point home here it's really more about that you've been to different countries you've had to experience i guess you'd say different experiences but those experiences have driven and still drive your investing absolutely and i got married just about a year and a half ago and oh, my wife congrats. is my wife thank you so much my wife maria she's venezuelan so now whenever I come up with a Spanish name, I can say, me amor, uh, is this, <laughs> does this make sense or is this wrong? You know, so I've actually, I registered a couple names that I was going to surprise her with, um, mepreciosa.com, because she likes oh. when I call her me, my precious. Um, <laughs> so the funny thing is when I call her me amor out in public, she doesn't, she doesn't let me call her Maria. No, it's me amor. And, uh, <laughs> but if I do it out in public, about 10 women turn their heads because in Western Florida, most people are Spanish speaking. <laughs> well, hey, listen, don't go out there starting any fights, dude. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't turn the wrong, the wrong head. That is awesome, though. So, man, so you, Thank I, you all. So, so then I guess now are you kind of dabbling in that space of, and, and this is one that's interesting, multilingual or multilingual, bilingual domains, um, in this case, multilingual. So I guess, do you dabble in that area as well? Um, not really so much, but when I see names dropping that I know are of Spanish origin, um, I will ask Maria what she thinks of the name. Um, mm. I have bought a few over, you know, the last year or two because of that, but not really. I'm looking, okay. I'm focusing a lot on the restaurant names now to try to get restaurantbrands.com more inventory. I see. So then kind of coming back then to the, the conference scene. So like, why do you attend conferences? Like, what do you get out of attending, you know, these different venues, whether international or, in, you know, domestic here in the States? Like, what do you get when you attend and what do you expect to receive when you attend such, you know, conferences? For me, the, the most important thing with conferences is the networking with other domainers. Um, when I first went to the conferences that first year, I went to almost every session just to learn as much as I could. Um, <laughs> and when I went to the ones from different countries, but now in NamesCon, I'll look at the, the agenda and I may pick a few that I'm really interested in. But for the most part, it's about networking, meeting with the businesses, you know, that I work with regularly. You know, I try to meet with reps from GoDaddy and Dan and Squad Help and any other company that I do business with, FD. But then after that, it's just about networking and, you know, we become friends. It's kind of like a fraternity, the domain name investors. So just talking shop amongst ourselves. And obviously, I sit in an interesting seat on the bus of kind of uh, being the news and capturing some of it, but as well as often presenting and then um, networking as well. And so, 
you know, I certainly, I think when I first uh, went, I was trying to catch all the sessions as well. And then here as of late, you know, to a certain extent, it's uh, due to COVID, we've had a series of NamesCon, the domain show, but all of them have had recorded on-demand videos now. And so, I, you know, I don't know about you, but for me, I don't necessarily feel bad per se for missing sessions now because I know that I can actually go back and review them, you know, for the next 30, sometimes 40 days. Yeah, I think that's a lot better because even for the people that want to attend everything, they have simultaneous conferences or meetings going on and you have to make a choice. Um, and if it's recorded, you can see it on your own time. So I think that's a great move by NamesCon and any other conference holder. Now, in terms of, uh, you know, kind of getting into your domain strategy, investing strategy, like what tools, you know, do you do you often use today when you're domain investing? Um, like most domainers, um, I'll use expireddomains.net. I'll look at my general keywords that I'm looking for myself, but I'll also look at the names. I'll look at the GoDaddy valuation. I'll look at the year, the expiration year and how many are registered, how many extensions the names are registered in. So sometimes I'll find names that I wouldn't have noticed unless I did that. And then I'll go for the general keywords that I always look for. I use NameBio quite a bit. And I use GoDaddy, their valuation tool. Not so much for the valuation. That does help, but they show comparable sales. Mm -hmm. um, so when I'm looking to price a name or if I see names that have sold in a certain range, I think that really helps when you see the comparable sales. The only thing I wish they had was the year that those sales took place because it makes a big difference if it, that sale was last week or 15 years ago. It's a, you know I think that's one thing that they could do to help us. Like how does that impact your your pricing? I mean, how do you typically price your domains? I look at comparable sales. Um, you got you know with domainers, you got to go with that and just your gut. I try to end all of them with a five or sometimes with a nine or zero. If it's if it's quite a bit, if, it, if I'm selling it for 15,000 or higher, I may end with zero, zero, zero. But typically I'll try to make it 995 or 1,995, 2,995. I got little, little jumps like that. With my Chinese names, it's kind of, I think I've become a little Chinese myself because I go from 3,995, I skip 4,000 altogether and I go to 5,995. I had to skip, <laughs> it's just, it must be psychological. Because of what you've learned in another culture, it's basically driving how you price. That's interesting. So you skip fours altogether then. Well, with some of the names um, on some platforms where they price them for me, I can't really where right. they give you the price, then it is what it is. But when I price them, I, yeah, I think it's just, I've invested into the Chinese market so much. I'm like, oh, I'll play by their game. And, you know, and I have sold them for 5,000 and higher. So it hasn't, I don't think it's affecting my sales. But. So then let me ask you this. So, you know, looking at just your breadth of experience, obviously you said you started out, you know, with the basketball camp, you started hand registering names, you then found the aftermarket platforms like today. So given that at the time of this recording, it's February the 6th, Saturday afternoon, like how does Stu, how do you invest today? Do you still hand register or are most of these aftermarket purchases or third-party purchases? Really all three. Um, really? I'm still, I'm still registering names, but most of the names I'm registering are for the restaurant brand site. I mean, uh, I had quite a few that were around like Salad Zone and Roastology, you know, th those kind of dot-com names I've had for several years. 
but I'm able to find, you know, decent brandable names. Actually, I, I registered Cheriology.com, which I'm not even sure if it's a restaurant brand, but it sold, <laughs> it sold in that marketplace for $2,995. And I had just registered that maybe a couple months before that. And another wow. one, stakeup.com, I got as a closeout. And then that was only on the platform for about a month. And that sold, you know, for, I think it was 1995 So, huh. if, you know, so hand registering, if it's the right names, it has worked for me. But I also do, I work TV NOM. I all, and I also try to, when I find um, that are reasonably priced, I'll, I'll try to seek and then use, you know, try to another domainer. Um, so sometimes I'll buy names on name pros. I just got a name. I paid $500 for it, which seems like a lot. It's dateology.com. So I like the science of dating. Right. But my thought is after COVID, that market's really going to heat up. And that's a name that I know if it sells, it's going to sell for minimum 5000 But I, Squad Hall took it and they put it up there for over 30, it's like $35,000 they put it up for. So they must see what I see in the name. Having it up there for that amount is one thing. Hopefully it will sell. I'll take an offer on it as well. <laughs> it doesn't have to sell for that full amount. Well, that that's that's interesting though, but that kind of confirms it's like you said, you knew it was a good name, but for Squad Help to actually take it and then list it for what did you say, 35,000? I think maybe it's 34,999. I'd have to look it up, but I. I'm pretty sure that's where it's at. Yeah. Right. And it's stateology.com. I've had a lot of luck with the ology names. Huh. Um, I sold safeology.com last year and several other ology names over the years. It's been kind of a bread and butter for me. Now, are most of your names buy it now? I guess, it, or rather, let's even rephrase that question. W- what percentage of your names are buy now versus make offer? I would say 95% or higher of my names are by now. However, you know, however, my names that I see is the most valuable names in my portfolio, I have as make offer. Some of them are being brokered out. And I guess the encouraging thing for me is um, my sales have been really good and I haven't even sold my top tier names yet. So that that's what's mm-hmm. exciting for me is um, the sales have been great and I'm selling the names that I'm happy to move on with, but the ones that I feel have the most value, I haven't sold yet. So I'm okay with that because I do believe they'll sell at some point and they're somewhat liquid. In terms of, uh, you know, just kind of thinking through some of your sales. So most of yours are buy it now. So then I guess, well, prior to COVID, obviously being a teacher, you probably didn't have that much time on hand. And so I take it that most of then your efforts in terms of domain investing are really going to be more inbound and that you don't do any outbound or have you ever tried any outbound? I have tried a little bit over the years with the geo job names and I've sold a few. I got a couple of good stories with, I think I sold <laughs> bocaroofer.com. You know, they, the guy fixed my roof for free. It was kind of a shoddy job. So I don't know. <laughs> he, he may have got the best of me there, but I thought I was doing okay. Wait, um, what domain was that? <laughs> it was, I think I looked at it. I think it was bocaroofer.com, but I think he <laughs> dropped it and somebody else has it now. So maybe... The way he did the boots, he didn't last in that business. But um, I'm about to you know, say, so, if, it's the, if it's the same order <laughs> and it's bocaroofer.com, it's like, don't don't allow them to touch your roof. But hey, if it's a new order, ah, let's go check. Let's go it, check Yelp and uh, Google for reviews. It could have been Boca Roofing. I, 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 that was like 15 years ago now, but I think I may still own bocaroofer.com. I think it may have been Boca Boca roofing or something like that. <laughs> but um, I've had other things, you know, where I've sold a name and I remember I sold a bed and breakfast name in New Orleans 
And I got my parents a, at the time it was their anniversary and I got them a free weekend at that bed and breakfast as part of the deal. I gave them a lower price on the name. It was at neworleansbedandbreakfast.com, I think, and they got a stay free stay there on top of it. So sometimes I, with those getting them on the phone, you can get some deals like that. Let's talk a little bit about where things are headed or where you see things headed in the industry. Obviously, you had one of your best years yet last year. And so like when you look at at 2021, obviously, we're a month into it. Like what does Stu, what do you see moving forward for the rest of the year in terms of just the overall industry? Where do you see things heating up? Where do you see things uh, just kind of dropping off and saying, ah, that's that's just no longer a thing anymore to that we should, you know, concern ourselves with? I think domains in general are going to continue to grow in value, particularly this year, um, because everything's moving online. I know a lot of my peers in the domain investing community are investing in a lot of the other TLDs like the .io and the .co. Those are doing really well. I'm still old school. (laughs) 99% of my names are .com. If I found a really good uh, name with .io, I may get one or two if I think that it has value. But, you know, I, I think that with all the domains, you know, particularly .com, we have a bright future. And with the new Clubhouse app, I think there's a great opportunity. And I can see it just in the first couple of weeks that we're there for us to bridge the gap between us and the rest of the, you know, the business community. I think there's an opportunity I have a lot of real estate names and I would like to get in touch with realtors and I have a lot of restaurant names. I like to get in touch with restaurant entrepreneurs that may be interested in one of my brands. So I think with the new tools that we have and on top of that with COVID, you know, still lingering, um, I think the domain uh, domain values are only going to go up. Yeah, certainly. And you mentioned Clubhouse and man, shoot, that's a doggone episode <laughs> by itself, Absolutely. but it has taken the domain industry by storm some of it's been good some of it's been bad sometimes it's just been downright ugly but that being said um what i will say is this and i noticed it uh so how so if you're so how h-a-l yes y-e-s dot com Go look him up. Hal, basically, Hal and Bruce Breger went on to Clubhouse, joined Clubhouse.com. They opened up a room and started doing really an impromptu live domain auction that has, they've had two so far at the time of this recording that has raised nearly, I want to say it was something like $40,000, something like that. And what's interesting to me about it is the simple fact that one, neither one of them have had any experience doing any auctions. That's just straight off the bat. But then to hop on the clubhouse, which is basically almost like a live podcast with everybody in there and you can't press play, rewind, stop, nothing. You just there for the ride and so like for you Stu like what do you make of Clubhouse and you know I I guess now I I think I actually heard you on one of the auctions I think you had a couple names that were in if if I remember correctly yeah I was I think I put in there it didn't sell I think it was uh sportsbettingfever.com they said just pick a random name and I thought that may get a little bit of interest, but it, it didn't sell. And I was just kind of put it out there to see. Yeah. And there was another betting name. It was, you know, virtualsportsbook.com. I think it turned out to be a mistake. It wasn't supposed to, it was a different name after all. Um, but um, that definitely intrigued me, that name. 
Oh, man. And so what's interesting about all of this is like, I mean, then just even the other night, because I think Drew Rosner, he was in the, in the second auction. He re, he purchased ReduceMyRate.com for like $500. But then there's this lady by the name of Edna. And Edna, if you're listening, please forgive me. I don't know your last name, but I do know your first name's Edna. And the other thing I know about you is that you are putting down money, y'all. She is dropping dollars in these auctions uh she purchased basketballschool.com for 1500 she uh did openhouseviewings.com for 750 realestatecontractor.com for 650 taxfilingsoftware.com 650 and she did totalbraids.com 600 y'all like that's some money (laughs) in one single night but those are the things that we're talking about in terms of clubhouse now to kind of circle back around to my original question before I went off on a tangent, Stu, like, what do you think, how is Clubhouse really disrupting or innovating the domain industry? Well, before I forget, I was going to say, Edna with basketballschool.com, um, as a former camp owner, I would have given her, I would have doubled, I would have paid 3000 for that if I was still in the biz basketball camp business, because a lot of people call it a basketball school. So I think she'll, she'll make money on that one. I'm pretty sure if she gets it to the right end users. Edna, um, you heard it here first. Stu said he <laughs> want to buy it for three thousand. <laughs> <laughs> if I was still in the business, um, but you know, as far as Clubhouse, I, I think it really the potential there for our domain community is great. You know, I think that some of them are just starting out, so we're trying to tell them to join DN Academy, find out more about it because Mike Seiger teaches the basics of domain investing um, right. at different levels for experienced domainers and someone just starting out. So, you know, we are encouraging that. Hal's doing a great job with that, but I mentioned to him what I'd like to see is for him to have auctions that are theme-based, have a real estate auction and call it that, then realtors may see it and come in. If you get the actual people in the business coming in instead of domainers buying from domainers, um, I think you're going to find the prices go up even more. So, you know, maybe have a law, one with lawyers, one with realtors, you can do a crypto one, whatever the theme is. Try to get the people that are not domainers into those rooms and who knows what can happen. It would be interesting. So like, what has been your experience so far with Clubhouse? Um, I, th- I think it's been a great opportunity. Um, I either I'm actively engaged in the conversation or I'll just listen to it like the radio. I think it's really neat. I would have loved to have heard Elon Musk, but it was, you know, it was going to be one o'clock in the morning Eastern time. So I couldn't, <laughs> yeah, my wife wasn't going to let me listen to that. <laughs> and then she had, a, she had to work the next day, you know, bright and early. So I think it's just a great opportunity to be able to hear people that are very knowledgeable on a topic, whether they're famous or not. It's a great connector, connecting platform. I hope we don't start to hear about clubhouse divorces of <laughs> uh, <laughs> folks that are getting a divorce because people are glued. I mean, I will say this about clubhouse. It, it very much like investing in domain names, it can be addictive or addicting. And so, you know, you want to, you know, use wisdom in terms of, cause for some of these people, man, they're on there all the time. And I, and the question that I have is really like, how is anybody getting any work done? Like I hear you on 24 seven, how are you getting work done? And the other, the other day I submitted some names for the auction and I'm listening for like two hours and my names have not come up and they didn't make the spreadsheet. So I I just emailed them and say, listen, I, next time, because people were submitting them and then getting their names read like 15 minutes later. Right. And I I submit, you know, they were saying them on, on the actual platform. 
And I submitted mine the night before, and I think they were going to be going at, you know, 10 o'clock at night. So I just said, I'll try again next time and submitting them while I'm on on the line. And that's what I was about to say. It seems like to me, um, and there are, and you know, and like I said, hats off to Hal, hats off to Bruce. Like I said, this thing is is very improvish. And so they're kind of making stuff up on the fly, but as it, as it definitely gains, uh, you know, grows its sea legs, proverbial sea legs. My belief is that there are going to be, you know, great uh, areas for improvement in terms of actually, while it's good to have the impromptu, you know, submissions, it's really going to be about kind of, like you said, having a theme, um, even if that theme is impromptu night. And it's just like, hey, we're going to go with whatever you all submit to us. And that's that. But if it is a true theme of attorneys, lawyers, real estate, plumbing, roofing, whatever service industry it is, that's going to be themed for that night. You certainly, I mean, they've got to get a little bit tighter in terms of making sure that all names get called. Because like you said, you waited two hours and I believe it was a few other folks that were like, yeah, I waited and they had a role of you had to be present to have your name called. And so people waited and then name didn't get called. And so, you know, I certainly, I look at that and I'm like, yeah, we've got to get that thing tightened up. And then the other side of the equation, and this is one that is going to be hard, very hard to uh, gain visibility into, but I wrote an article about it. While it's it's neat to boast and say, oh yeah, we've done $40,000 over two auctions. One thing that I heard that really made me raise a red flag was, and like I said, Bruce, how they're not getting paid to do this. They're not taking a cut out of it. But the reality is, how do we know that those other sales actually happen? Like, how do we know that money got exchanged? Because I was inadvertently on another call and someone who shall remain nameless um, was speaking and they were like, yeah, I bid on this one domain. I was going to buy it. But then I talked to the buyer and basically talked to the buyer and told him, hey, man, you really don't want to sell it for this low. And then they, I guess they didn't do the transaction. So I'm like, well, wait a minute, guys. Like, hold up. If... Y'all are counting this as, you know, $15,000 that got sold. It really should not be counted. Um, And the other thing is, like, if those deals are going that way of folks just talking to one another, they're like, yeah, we're not going to do it. I'm like, "Mm, that can be a bit misleading in terms of auction wise. Yeah, yeah. Unless they unless they handle the transactions themselves through Dan or something, there's no way to really verify whether it goes through. But, um, you know, Bruce and Hal are doing a great job with that. They are. And I know it's only going to get better with time. Um, and they're just test, they're just testing it out. And that first night, that was amazing what they accomplished. Totally. Um, and here's how I know that they're doing so great. They're doing so good that other people are actually not necessarily. They, I, I believe there was an, uh, a copycat. I will call it a copycat auction last night that happened. And then I think they're going to try to do not necessarily Bruce and how they're going to take Sunday, which is Super Bowl Sunday uh, tomorrow at the time of this recording. And Hal and Bruce won't have an auction, but someone else is actually going to do it. So I'm like, man. That is, that's a sign that you're doing things, you're headed in the right direction when other people want to copy what you're doing and have somewhat the same, um, if not less, lesser success, but still success. So that I believe, like you said, that they're, they're certainly working through all the, 
the nuances and all the difficulties, but they are doing a uh, tremendous job. And only time will tell, man. Only time will tell whether or not Clubhouse has really disrupted like the live auction scene. I don't know that it's necessarily done that for like the upper echelon names, the the premium and ultra premium names as of yet. I think it could. I really think it could. You know, if they right now it's still mostly domainer domainer. If they start joining those other clubs in different areas, the real estate club, the lawyer club, as I was alluding to, and try to get those people into the end user auction, um, I think it's got a lot of potential. It's still going to be great domainer to domainer, but there's a whole other world out there that this app can provide if they take advantage of it. Now, closing things out, closing things out there. I know that there are many other questions that folks probably want to know about, but the question that I'm most curious about out of 4,000 names, like what would be your top 10? What's your top 10 names that you go, these are the top 10, the cream of the crop of my portfolio. Like, what would you say those names are? Let's see. I've got enticing.com. Um, I think that's kind of interesting. Revising.com. I like fantasy sportsbook.com being involved in fantasy sports quite a bit. I mentioned the LI Lee 88, LI88.com. I think it has a lot of potential in China. Easyfashion.com. Another name I've been actually, I never mentioned this, but I've been leasing a name for years. I don't want to give the exact details, yeah. but it's operatives.com. He had, you know, a man has a business on it. He wanted to buy it years ago, but the name was priced out of his range and he's been leasing it. And it's been, you know, it's been a great source of income for me and it's been a lease, you know, it's not a lease to own. It's just a regular lease. It's a, you know, great opportunity, but it's within his budget. And, so he's you know, leasing that then much like leasing a building. Yes. It's not a lease to own. It's just, yeah. So that, that's actually the only name that I'm having like is that I have a lot of lease to owns. So this is the only outright lease, but we, we, he's been doing this longer than that lease to own has been offered on Dan. So we're just rolling with it for now. And then um, PPR fantasy football.com. I like a lot. I mean, PPR stands for point for reception. It's oh, a big I'm, facet of fantasy football. Hey, I thought you um, said PPE football. I was like, wait a minute. PPE? I didn't, I didn't know we had that going on, but you said PPR. PPR. <laughs> yeah, PPR fantasy football. I own some 4K names, um, the high resolution. I have 4Ktube.com, 4Kstreaming.com, streaming4K.com. You got any 8K, 16K? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, <laughs> so not yet. Uh, not yet. So yeah, my names are kind of all all over the place. I have some names that are not connected to anything, but a lot of them fall in a certain niche. So then let me ask you this. With, so with 4,000 names, how many names do you drop in a given year? Um, I never really counted the exact amount, but what I do when it comes up for renewal, um, I look at the traffic that it gets. I look if it had any inquiries. Um, I look at the GoDaddy valuation, how many extensions it's registered in, you know, if it's not just.com. And I just kind of take it on a name by name basis, but I, I drop quite a few. I, I don't, I don't really know the exact amount, but I probably drop at least a couple hundred, but the more names I have, probably the more I'm going to drop, but I'm still probably acquiring more names than I'm dropping. Uh, at least at this point. So you're dropping more than you're acquiring. And then, but because you're starting, even though you're kind of moving up the, the the ladder in terms of the growth of your portfolio, because you're growing in number, you're also growing in number of sales, which is then helping you to recoup a lot of those. And so I guess a lot of it just really is about whether or not, I guess that given domain has value. And so in terms of your renewal strategy, are you just looking at them on a per month or, you know, a quarterly basis or 
weekly basis? Like, how are you doing it? What I do at the end of every year, because I've been profitable the last several years, kind of like December, I start renewing all my no-brainers, the ones that I know I'm going, unless I sell them, I'm going to renew them. I'll I'll renew all my top value names. I'll look at the ones that are no-brainers and the ones, I'll kind of analyze my whole portfolio in December because I'm also trying to offset my income and and pay less taxes, (laughs) you know. So I'll renew quite a bit to defray some of the income um, that I know I'm going to renew anyhow, unless I have a sale. And then the ones that don't make that first cut, you know, as they come up for renewal, then I'll do the deeper analysis. But for the most part, the ones that are no brainers, maybe the top 10 to 15% of my portfolio, I'll just register it all at the end of the year. And then I'll do them in increments as needed. So the ones that you're just, like you said, no brainers, you just want to get those out of the way, you go ahead and knock them out. Now, that being said, is it that you only renew one year at a time or have you, do you dabble in the the multi-year renewals? One year at a time, except for names. My uh, son, Armando, I got his name um, when Marie and I got married and his name's registered till he's out of high school anyhow for now. But maloff.com, I probably have registered for a few years, but the majority of names are year by year. Ah. Uh. Right. Because you don't know, you know, you, you don't want to tie up cash flow and then you wind up selling it. Right. Yeah. I'm, I mean, for one year, for a one year renewal on my best names, I, I figured it's just most of them are not going to sell. And if they do sell, it's more than going than to offset that $8 renewal fee. So for those names that are no brainers, I'll just do it because I, I don't want to uh, get to the point where I ever forget. So at the end of the year, I'm just taking care of that for the best names. So wrapping things up here, Stu, this is a question that I often throw to many different domain investors. And the question is this, if there is someone that you could actually sit down with, have a conversation about domain investing to level up as a domain investor, like who would that be for you and why? Besides you, Alvin? That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Because, uh, you know, you're up and coming and I know you can kickstart anybody's commerce um, by talking to you, <laughs> but um, Drew Rosner, um, I have uh, talked to him a little bit. He's actually brokering one of my names, but I've never had a, like an hour long, a deep conversation with him. I think that would be interesting among many other people. I mean, I've already, I've had the opportunity to talk to some great domain investors. Like I mentioned, Mike, Michael Birkins, Rick Schwartz over the years, but uh, yeah, Drew, it would be nice to talk to him and learn a lot. Well, there you go, Drew Rosner. I know you're listening, man. And yeah, Drew, I'm going to get you on the show. Come on, man. Now, don't rib me for not, not having you on just yet. You're coming. Your time is coming. But you heard from our man, Stu Drew. So, hey, hopefully he hears it. And maybe, who knows, maybe at an in-person conference or maybe you might get a might get a Zoom invite. Who knows? Who knows? Well, wrapping up, like, what would be your advice to someone who is, you know, starting out, I mean, you have over two decades of experience in terms of domain investing. Like if you walked into a clubhouse room today, what would be your advice to someone that's starting out in domain investing? Like where should they start? As I mentioned before, go to dnacademy.com, attendnamescon.com. Start with .com names and start slowly. Um, register, not, not register, try to get that, get the advice from DN Academy and Namescon before you start registering the names or buying names so you don't have to make the same mistakes that all of us made when we started. (laughs) 
<laughs> said like a true professional. Well, last but not least, is there anything else that you would like to share with listeners in case someone is listening and they go, man, you know, I want to know a little bit more about this. Like, how can they get in contact with you, Stu? You know, they can find me if they go to Stuart Maloff on LinkedIn. Everyone calls me Stu, but the real name is Stuart. So if they go to LinkedIn and type in Stuart Maloff, they can send me an email there or try to connect me there. Or they can go to, you know, Stu at restaurantbrands.com or Stu at maloff.com. I got several emails. <laughs> and they can just get a, you know, I love to talk domains and take advice from people and give some advice when I have the opportunity. Well, certainly, Stu, man, I've certainly enjoyed talking just life and domains and and everything in between. But, hey, we're out of time. So, Stu, thank you again for joining us today and sharing your domain investing journey. Uh, Alvin, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's a pleasure. Certainly. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Kickstart Commerce, where we share search marketing and domain name strategies to help grow your business. Please subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or Podbean. Last but not least, please visit kickstartcommerce.com to subscribe to the newsletter sharing tips and tricks about the disciplines of digital strategy. Thanks. And that's all for now.